Good morning. I shouldn't actually have been here this morning, but the person who was going to uh, was down for this Sunday uh, said they weren't able to uh, be with us. Um, so I said I, I would uh, I would cover today. Sometimes people will make decisions and then reflect on them uh, and are not sure whether they've made the right decision. But um, we're here with this passage before us this morning. And just before we start, can I uh, make it very clear, and we sang earlier, I am a new creation. When one becomes a Christian, life is changed. When one becomes a Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ works in our lives fills us with his spirit. And the reason I say that is because this particular chapter this morning focuses very much on stay where you are, don't change anything. Uh, But Paul is coming to it from the point of view of you are already a Christian, now this is how you work it out. We actually get back, as David says, to the 1 Corinthians studies this morning. We've been continuing them on a Sunday evening. And if you're free on Sunday evenings at this time during the summer, we're having some good studies also on Sunday evening. Robert Bushby's taking us through uh, 1 Corinthians 8 this evening. But uh, we've been carrying on in the evenings, but with the Mission Sunday and John Fernandez having a specific subject last week, there's been a short break in the mornings, and you, you may have been relieved at that. Uh, and in fact, the last time we were with Paul in Corinth was when I was uh, taking the, the last service here. Well, we look at the second half of chapter 7 today with the title, Your Vocation. As Paul moves into chapter 7 and right through to chapter 16, he begins to deal with some specific matters raised in the letter from the church in Corinth. He probably has the letter open in front of him as he's replying with this list of questions relating to the Christian life. James Clark took us through the first 16 verses of chapter 7 last Sunday evening and commented that for us it's like listening in to someone in a telephone conversation and just hearing one side of that conversation. And that's what happens here. We get the reply to the question. It's obvious, however, that the first question was whether it was good to be married or not. And this chapter covers the answer to this. In fact, in in my version, it may be in yours, I'm not sure what it says in the church Bible, it's entitled Christian or Instructions on Christian Marriage. Christians in Corinth were surrounded by sexual temptations amongst many other things. Times a bit like we live in today. The city of Corinth had a reputation for sexual immorality and religious prostitution and it was to this kind of society that Paul delivered these instructions on sex and marriage. Christians were ready for major change, total upheaval. And Paul is writing to the people to say, no, they shouldn't just change everything. God has placed you where God has placed you. And although this chapter is, well, this part of the chapter is, well, the whole chapter is about marriage, I suppose it's really about Christians and relationships. Paul definitely comes to marriage from all the different directions this morning, perhaps except one. Along the way so far, Paul has given some specific, although not exhaustive, counsel to Christians in a number of circumstances. 
but it can be summarised really in six words. Wherever possible, remain as you are. Forget all this thinking about major upheaval. He's given counsels to Christians who are married, to those whose spouses have died, to those who are divorced, to Christians who are married to non-Christians, and he also gives counsel to those who are unmarried. Sure, Paul has allowed for some exceptions in each circumstance, but the main thrust of his instruction has been for them to seek, or not to seek, to change their current situation whatever that situation may be. He is, in effect, urging a basic attitude of contentment with whatever lot God has given us, even if that includes circumstances which perhaps cause friction and frustration. It's a true story I was reading of a boy in the States whose one aim in life was to be a, grow up to be a minimum of six foot six inches tall. He wanted to be that tall because he wanted to become a basketball player in his national team. He prayed to God every day, asking that he would grow tall. He would measure his height weekly, eat what he could. And as he grew up, he took all sorts of potions that were supposed to make you grow taller. He got frustrated and downcast as every time he measured his height, he'd hardly moved a fraction. By the age of 20, he was at a stretch five foot four inches tall, which meant he would never be be great in the world of basketball. Now in his 40s, he says, my height is just right for the work God has planned for me. As a pastor of a church and evangelist, I can get alongside most people without looking down on them. I can look them straight in the eye. God knew exactly what was needed for me to serve him. He knows exactly what's needed in your life. And if you're in God's will, you are where God wants you at this time. In the Apostle's mind here, there are three basic priorities. The need to be firm in our situation. The need to be flexible about material things. And the need to be free from distractions, from any distractions, from our single purpose of pleasing and glorifying the Lord. One thing we might not be aware of and perhaps even understand is that the introduction of Christianity within the area held a potential for a great deal of social upheaval. Paul advocates stability continuity, peace. In short, encouraging people to remain as they are, wherever possible. The key thing to making their present situation count, Paul tells them, is to let God change them daily right where he had placed them. He mentions two key issues, circumcision and slavery. Circumcision presented an immense barrier between Jew and Gentile. But God can overcome those barriers and work within both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Keeping God's command is what counts, he tells them in verse 19. 
And also the gulf between slave and free is far and wide. But God can bridge even that gap, he tells them, by going to work within both Christian slaves and Christian freemen. Well, that means a commitment to stay firmly where they were when God first called them into fellowship with Jesus. And that is what God says to each one of us. I placed you there and that's where I want you to serve. This wise advice was actually given by a few close friends to Cliff Richard when he became a Christian. There were many urging him to get out of the entertainment business. But some close Christian friends encouraged him to stay there because they believed that was where God wanted him. Of course, there are some occupations or lifestyles which a new believer would immediately renounce. Gambling, organised crime, the sex trade. But normally a person is called to a new life in Christ, but not called to a new occupation. However, the old occupation is given new significance when we come to Jesus as our saviour. And when the time is right, God will tell you to move if he wants you to. If you see the sheer potential for agitation and upheaval that introducing some Christianity into pagan culture would create, you'd have a good recipe for social disruption and chronic restlessness. And again, Paul says, each one of you should retain the place in life that the Lord has assigned you. And the reference in this instance, when he uses the word called, is not the calling to Jesus, it's the vocation type calling. Legal clerics probably raised the question at verse 25 when he was asked the question about, uh, let's get to 25, 25, now about virgins. I have to command, I have no command from the Lord. In other words, the Lord's not saying this or that. But I give a judgment. And the judgment is, I think that it's best for you to remain as you are. Knowing his own preference for the single state, the clerics wanted from him a firm endorsement of his own preferences. And he's scrupulously fair in this passage. He's not one warning against marriage, but against particular pressures and distractions. Those distractions which are all part of married life. And with a situation in Corinth, it would need, you would need to be strong to adhere to your marriage vows. What Paul is actually saying is that if you are a virgin, if you are engaged, well, stay as you are if that's going to work. There were people in the Corinthian church there who were encouraging people not to move on to the next day. Stay where you are. Wait, wait, wait. Paul's actually saying, if it's right, wait. If not, move forward. 
into married life. I think we just need to be clear in verse 38. That moves on a bit, but it relates to that bit as well. In verse 38, so then, he who marries the virgin does right. Ah, well done. But he who does not marry her does even better. And sometimes we can read scripture and not quite understand really um, what he's saying. He's just indicating in this, I believe, and from some commentaries I've read, that the potential to have more time available for service to God is what he's indicating. Not that it's better not to get married, but that if you're called and you want to serve the Lord, it may be that in the single state you're able to do that with more time and more direction. As I say, most of this chapter, whilst about marriage, is all about relationships. And as we're going on during this time and in in the life of the church and in this series, which takes us right through to whenever it does, um, we're looking at relationships. Not necessarily the relationship one to another, although that is a result of looking at relationships, but our relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ and where we are and what we do. Finally, in verse 39, after stressing the lifelong permeance of marriage of one man to one woman, Paul gives widows complete freedom to remarry. His only proviso is the one he lays down for all Christians, all those contemplating marriage. Marry only in the Lord. She's bringing a distinction here that if you're a Christian and you marry, well, you need to be marrying a Christian. But if you're already married and one of you becomes a Christian, it doesn't mean that you've got, and the other one doesn't, it doesn't mean that you then say, well, I've got to go this way and I've got, you've got to go that way. He's making it very clear. You are where you are. God has placed you there. God will take you through the situation. purposely didn't want to pick individual verses out and focus on them here. I wanted to go through this whole section of this chapter because it's easy to say, well, he missed that bit because we weren't quite sure what to do with that. Paul is covering every situation. If you're single, you have opportunity to serve the Lord in that way. If you're married, you have opportunity to serve the Lord in that way. Not on your own, but with a partner alongside you. If your partner is not a Christian, well, you need to continue to pray for them and you need to carry on serving the Lord, encouraging them to be with you. So our title, what is our vocation? How are we using the gifts and lifestyle experience we have to further the work of the kingdom? Yes, God may send us off in a new direction. But in most cases, God is saying, stay where you are. I've placed you there. I've got a role for you in the village of Linfield through Linfield United Reformed Church. 
You notice that Paul does say here, I have no command of the Lord. What he's saying is, I don't see that the Lord is saying, do this or do that. But my opinion is of the Lord. And it's okay for you to stay where you are and work through those circumstances. Well, that's the answer to the first question. There's probably about another 16, 20 questions that they wrote. I, can't, I don't know how many, I haven't counted them, but we've got to go through to, to chapter 16. You may be pleased to know, you may not be pleased to know that we move off of this particular subject a bit now, but we then move into deeper things of, well, these are deep things, but deeper things of what should we do with the life of the church, with the, the Holy Spirit moving amongst us. But Paul makes it quite clear. Your vocation is to stay where you are and serve the Lord there. Amen.